Welcome to the Sage Thought Leadership Podcast, building experiences that connect, remove friction, and deliver insights. Well, hi, everyone, and welcome to our podcast. I'm Ed Kless, and with me today is Stephanie LaPierre. Stephanie is the founder and CEO of Tealbook, a highly coveted supply chain thought leader and one of the most influential minds in emerging data technologies. She has been recognized as one of the top 100 most influential women in supply chain, and her company, Tealbook, has been both named to a top 50 company to watch by Spend Matters and won the Cool Vendor Award by Gartner. Prior to Tealbook, Stephanie spent 10 years building a successful strategic sourcing and procurement consulting company focused on large-scale sourcing optimization projects. Currently, Tealbook is one of only the is the only I'm sorry big data company that provides a self enriching and self maintaining mechanism to fix enterprise supplier data forever. Thank welcome so to the Sage Thought Leadership Podcast, Stephanie Lapierre. Thank you for having me. Well, first off, Stephanie, why do you do what you do? Oh, that's a that's a million dollar question. <laughs> I think. Um, my entire career has been focused on solving things. Probably just it's in my DNA of seeing so many different opportunities. Um, and about 16 years ago, I started a consulting business, primarily focused on finding innovation. I came from the enterprise side, found that um, finding innovation was actually quite challenging, especially with the amount of demands and the speed of the industry. And so I started this consulting business uh, initially really meant to have a work-life balance, which I failed miserably <laughs> because that company uh, took off very quickly. And then it transformed itself into helping large enterprise that were building procurement functions and investing heavily in software. Um, a lot of my clients were asking to bring this, this, this concept of innovation to drive value for business stakeholders across different functions of an enterprise and um, and that's really the role that procurement could take if it did not just focus on savings. And so my uh, consulting business uh, built procurement function essentially for those large organization and then uh, eventually start working with smaller companies that were raising a lot of capital and needed to build an entire supply chain. So it gave me a lot of perspective, worked across hundreds of different uh, organization. And what I saw is... Um, you know, just a, a challenge in not in software or people or processes, but in having access to good information on the suppliers that the enterprise did business with. And I found it that, you know, the more systems, the more people, the more disparity, the more silo the information became. And it made it incredibly difficult to see and know who you do business with and be able to leverage this information to create a competitive advantage. And so I became, you know, I spent nine years trying to kill the idea thinking someone else must have built something that could be used for my customers. And ultimately, after nine years, I couldn't find it. I was not seeing software companies being capable of being data companies, not in the way that we could um, solve this problem in an agnostic technology, sort of agnostic way. And nine year, or seven years ago, decided to um, you know, commit to this mission and solving this massive problem. Um, and you know, ever since I've been, the conviction has stayed the same the market just has continued to validate that I was right and that there's a need for a, a better source of supplier data that's autonomously enriched and distributed across systems and people. Um, so, you know, I think it's maybe the, the desire to win, but mostly to solve this really big data problem that's crippling a lot of enterprise and supply chains. And talk to me a little bit about navigating through the disruption that we're all experiencing in view of uh, recovery from COVID. 
Yeah, I think since COVID, what we've always seen is a lot of innovation on the revenue side. So the sort of the marketing sales side uh, of um, the tech sort of industry has really exploded. And then you saw more in finance with fintechs. Then you saw in HR, a lot more sort of around even contingency labor planning. But the procurement world, which manages trillions of dollars for the organization, has really been neglected. And so not a lot of investment in the past. And I would say that a lot of executives didn't really necessarily pay attention. They saw procurement as a service to the organization, as a way to optimize spend, but not as a value driver. And when COVID hits and the amount of disruption that we've seen mostly across small and diverse businesses globally happen, then I think most organizations saw the impact on business continuity, on survival, on driving competitiveness, on the ability to be agile and ensure that you, you know, you would survive through this period. And suddenly procurement and supply chain got an enormous amount of visibility that created a demand for more, um, you know, meeting more requirements for more transparency, more for more agility. And what we've seen is a massive investment of capital going to this space with, you know, now thousands of companies coming out, addressing multiple different sides of the procurement life cycle and supply chain and ESG, you know, alone as a requirement, you're seeing a lot of companies, tech companies that have started to tackle different pieces of it. It's incredibly exciting for this, this uh, industry, uh, but it also can be incredibly overwhelming, especially when procurement has not been super tech savvy, you know, until <clears throat> even three, four or five years ago, we were teaching AI and machine learning to procurement people. Now we don't have to do that anymore. I think the industry started to, <clears throat> sorry, to shift to become more literate and really trying to harness all the investment in technologies. But it's still, you know, when you buy multiple technology, you're still uh, required to have good supplier information to put in these software. So a lot of the technology that exists are focused on automating workflow and processes across that it's, you know, discovering suppliers, that it's sourcing suppliers, that it's doing um diligence, that it's, you know, doing contract management, that it's onboarding them into your system, paying them, managing them and contingency planning and 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 all the, the requirements that are being added on. Um, and what ends up happening is that now you have multiple software that require good data that also depend on suppliers to come to a portal to put their information. And so we're talking about <clears throat> hundreds of thousands to millions of small businesses having to maintain portals across different systems of an organization and each system address a different component of the relationship and is usually managed by a different functional team. So as you can imagine, when you're trying to scale one on the suppliers, you have to maintain all these different portals that are not really delivering ROI. They're not making it smarter for you to get more business from an existing customers or helping get in front of customers that are most similar. And on the enterprise side, you have a lot of systems that create disparity with no real way to connect information and those systems require good data quality. And if suppliers are not coming to the portal, then you have to continuously supplement to trying to get better data in that software in order to optimize the investment in that system. And so, you know, it's 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 really put um, a sort of a fog on this, this massive investment of suppliers for an enterprise because they can't capture good information across the business that they actually have under contract to optimize that investment, to be able to drive their requirements that it's you know, improving EBITDA, to increasing savings, to access innovation, to meeting their ESG targets, to mitigating risk, to relocating their supply base. 
And on this, on the small business side, you know, you have to now have a lot of resources to try to maintain uh, not only all these systems, but also continuously get in front of those enterprise customers that, you know, one contract, two contract, multiple contract can be really life-changing. So you've got the, kind of these two worlds that are, are, are really divided. Um, the way that we've continuously addressing this is by, instead of relying on suppliers to come to a bunch of portals, we have been leveraging machine learning. And the fact that a lot of the technology now is cloud-based, that we can use the web and find this information that lives in so many different places and bring it together into one digital profile for every B2B supplier in the world. And so today we have about 5.5 million digital profiles. We're continuously finding information that points to the information. Is it correct? You know, is it directionally correct? Is it trusted or is it still in progress across today? We have 75 attributes across these 5.5 million companies at different degrees of quality. But what's important is that we're continuously enriching this information and we're able to feed it to the enterprise so that they can push it through their software or their BI tools or their data lake so that whoever's using and need the information can consume it, can correct it, then can validate. And it comes back sort of to the mothership. And so, uh, you know, it gives functional team better information that they don't have to continuously collect. And it gives the enterprise visibility across 100% of their suppliers and they can tap into a network of 5.5 million businesses so that they when they need to expand to find contingent suppliers, they can do it much faster. On the small businesses, it creates a place where all their information now is being enriched. It learns based on the customers they do business with. It learns of what they're certified for, what's the trends in the market, so that over time, you know, they don't have to come and put their information in, but they can come and validate. And over time, they can really benefit because you're you're building kind of social currency. Now, each small business is based on the sector that they do business, based on the services or the product that they provide. It continues helping identify trends to put them in front of the right buyer at the time that they're really looking for their businesses, which is incredibly powerful. Um, it also... No, since COVID, you have, you know, you had COVID, then you have more disruption with the Suez Canal, then you had Black Lives Matter, and that propelled the need for organization to become more socially conscious and really introduce small, diverse uh, spend with small, diverse certified businesses. Although it's been around for 30 years and companies have, you know, a lot of companies have made a significant commitment to spending with small, diverse businesses, you've seen companies who in the past have not been regulated. So we're thinking about tech companies, retailers, et cetera, who don't need to report that to the SEC or don't, they don't depend on that spend to get government funding, but they now have consumers who are asking, right, to have a supply chain that represents the diversity of the customer base. And so now you've got a lot more companies who've made these big commitments. Um, one of the challenges with small diverse businesses is it's hard to find them right? It's not publicly available information like what we see in the public sector. These small businesses, if they're very small, they may have or may not have a web presence. They may be certified. They may have also already certified with an agency or the state level or at the federal level, but um, it's not necessarily um, as obvious. And so now you get all these enterprises who've made a commitment to spending with small diverse businesses, and they, it's incredibly difficult to find them, collect information from them, and validate that they're certified. Um, and so that creates a lot of, again, sort of a, a bit of, of challenges. And for small businesses, how can they, if they're certified, maintain so many different portals across so many different customers makes it 
you know, almost a full-time job or full-time function. Anyway, all that to say that, you know, what we found out through uh, our technology and finding information on these small diverse businesses uh, as, you know, as detailed as the certificates, the classification, the expiration date is that we can augment this information and serve it back to the enterprise in a way that they can see 100% of the spend with small diverse businesses that are certified but also have indicators of businesses that meet the requirements, but may not be certified. And so that gives our, our customers the ability to see, hey, are there businesses that we already spend money with that are small, diverse, that means they're women-owned, veteran-owned, LGBTQ-owned, Black-owned, et cetera, that we should actually champion, right? Educate to why they should be certified. Uh, even better, if we could get them to self-certify at no cost, we may be able to introduce a pipeline of new businesses that can really uh, propel innovation for us. Uh, what we found out is over 95% of businesses that qualify are not being certified. And so then you get this massive ecosystem of small, diverse businesses who may not know anything about you know, the value of being certified, may have not bothered because the ROI may not be there, or it's too costly. And so for organization to identify, you know, or just recognize the certified small diverse businesses, you're talking about only tapping in 5% of the entire, you know, small business ecosystem versus finding indicators. There's no reason if a, a business is woman owned that they should not be recognized and reported, right, for doing business with the large enterprise. Anyway, so we'd like to think that we're democratizing you know, that information that, you know, our customers um, should not require, you know, certification from agencies necessarily to be able to, you know, recognize, report, champion these businesses or use it as a pipeline so that if suppliers are coming in, they're spending 20 minutes, it's free to get self-certified, that this is a company that's most likely interested in learning more and get certified and then being recognized. So, again, this has been a very disparate kind of world. It's been a lot of friction for a large enterprise to find them, reconcile the information, send it to report. And what we found is that they underreport 20 to 300% of the spend that they actually have with these businesses, mostly because they depend on those small businesses to come to our portal. Anyway, so, you know, I know the audience being small, diverse businesses that may uh, resonate well. Um, I think there's a, there's an opportunity today to, um, you know, again, there's many ways to get certified at no cost. One of them being uh, coming to Tealbook. And if you are small, diverse, uh, come in, self-certify. It's free. It takes 20 minutes. Uh, and then it, it's, it gives you the visibility and the opportunity to be incorporated into your customer's uh, report or being identified as a small, diverse businesses for new opportunities. And Stephanie, we have an exit question we ask all of our guests. And that is, who is a hero of yours and why are they a hero? Well, and it, I'll I'll keep it close because I think there's there's a few, but um, I, first of all, my grandmother uh, was an inspiration to me. She uh, took over Pepsi in Quebec when her husband uh, passed away suddenly. So she had three kids. She was a, a housewife, had never worked, and became a single mom and fought to keep the business and ran the business until 1991. And so that happened in the 60s. So I grew up with this woman who. Um, you know, fought and became a boss, a boss lady, uh, was quite, you know, in her own way. Um, Mary, she remained very feminine, but also very connected to her employees, very connected to the community. And, um, you know, that's who I grew up with is watching this, you know, this businesswoman. Now I have three daughters today. And so I'd like to think that uh, I have a little bit of, you know, 
something to inspire them that they can do and achieve anything they want. And they inspire me every day because the amount of self-confidence that they have and knowing, right, that they can do anything in the world and they're being so much wiser than me in many ways, you know, I learned from them just by listening um, and hearing their perspective as younger people that are seeing the world, you know, through a different lens. And lastly, Stephanie, how can somebody contact you? Well, of course, uh, tealbook.com, if you want more information on tealbook. And personally, I'm very active on LinkedIn. So if you want to follow me, it's Stephanie with a Y, Lapierre. And uh, please, you know, connect directly, uh, follow. I talk a lot about supply chain, data, disruption, digital transformation. So uh, only follow me if you're interested, because I do post quite a bit. All right. Stephanie Lapierre, founder and CEO of Tealbook. Thanks so much for being a guest on the Sage Thought Leadership Podcast. Thank you. Review and subscribe by searching your podcast player of choice for Sage Thought Leadership Podcast.